This is the Deep Color podcast series. Deep Color is an oral history project where I talk with artists about their work and their lives. The ultimate goal here is to give listeners a better understanding about the experiences and people behind the artwork. My name is Joseph Hart. I produce and facilitate this series. These recordings are casual, straight on, and unscripted. This episode profiles Elizabeth Clay. Elizabeth makes ceramic sculpture that often takes on the form of a vessel or elaborate bird cages and ornate peacocks, all of which feature decorative surface patterns that have been drawn and painted using different glazing techniques. She also works two-dimensionally, making ink on paper drawings that sometimes operate like wallpaper or scrolls. The work can shift from vibrant and bright to more severe and ominous, prompting viewers to consider the conceptual exchanges between an object's surface and its contents. This conversation was recorded at her studio in the Bushwick section of Brooklyn. I guess I wanted to start by describing your space for listeners, because the first thing I felt when I come in here was, it was, and I said this a second ago, it's very full. Um, you've got drawings, assuming drawings on the wall, on both walls, you've got a lot of your, it looks like finished work just below the drawings. Um, it's the hospital. On the floor, it's the hospital. These are, are these are all being repaired? Well, there are repaired? a couple that I've saved and a lot of them have been broken and repaired. And oh, then, I see. Um, you can't really sell them at that point. Right, so. right. And then you have some stuff in progress. You have a giant kiln and then a smaller test oven. Prints. Oh, and you have these prints. Those are prints. They, you know, it's funny. They kind of blend right in with the drawings. Yeah, yeah, of course they But do. if I got a little closer, I probably would have been able to discern that. Mm. And then you have an, like a, almost like an office section over in this corner that's a table yes. with a computer and books. And then it looks like artwork from maybe friends on the wall, things yes. that you might be inspired by, postcards, um, other works of yours that are smaller and can go on a wall. Um, and then you have a book bookshelf. It looks like with a lot of art books that you maybe sift through, um, flat files. Um, but there's very there's not there's only there's kind of like one little alleyway right down the middle of your space to walk. Well, it's not as cluttered as you make it sound because the most of the things are on the floor, so you can. Oh, I wouldn't define this as cluttered yeah. because there's an order to everything in here. Right, there's, there's a an place order. for it. It's not just yeah. like a like um, like a hoarder's garage but or something like that i could use a bigger studio yeah and so could everybody right right um would you say that this is kind of an average amount of activity in here or is this sort of yes this is when you're ramping up for a project is it even more active or is this this is this is about as this is it i don't even wild as it gets i don't want to think about ramping up for a project because i'm a very bad deadline person yeah so. um you know when i was doing a little bit of research about you um, and preparing to come over, um, I read a couple of reviews and, and interviews of, of shows you've had recently or, or just press things that you've done. And the word ceramics and pottery kind of got thrown around like in the same paragraph. Yeah. And I mentioned, you know, before we hit record that like um, I don't know enough, as, as much as I'd like to, about clay and right. working. So I wondered if you could... Is there a difference between a ceramist and a potter? Or are they I, sort of interchangeable? I don't know. I would think that a potter 
would be, I mean, I hadn't th thought about it before, but maybe a potter would be something, somebody that makes a lot of pots. Okay. So somebody like, you know, that, that is in production. And while maybe ceramicist could be anybody that works with ceramics. Right, right. And when you say in production, like making multiples of something that will be used. Yes. Right. In, a, in like a, a um, in a functional way. Right. There. Yeah. Um, right. So maybe, maybe, maybe ceramist. Is it ceramicist or ceramist? I think it's ceramicist. Uh, that maybe lends itself more to something that doesn't necessarily have an overt function. Yeah. Okay. Maybe. Um, maybe I could describe your work as I know it so far. So you do, you're, I would define you as a, a ceramist, a sculptor that works with clay, but you also make drawings and you do printmaking work. Right. And the, and, and your ceramic pieces are a mix of what you call bottles. Uh, at least yeah. that's how they're labeled on, on your portfolio uh -huh. online. Um, I think vessels sounds kind of pretentious. Vessels. Or what, what not vases or vases. Well, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, and then you have like, these birdcage yes. structures. And then even birds. These are like kind of peacock guys. Uh -huh. um, and then these tiles that you're making that you mentioned would, might turn into a wall piece. Yeah. Um, and then these look like they're in progress. These, they almost look like cameras as they are, but these are pieces of, that get stacked up like a yes, totem. Right. Um, is that a fair description of what's going on in here? Yes. Yeah. And okay. some of the, <laughs> some of the things I guess I think about when I'm, when I'm, when I'm looking at work and taking it in is this, is th this exchange between decoration and craft. And I know you present these in, contemporary art galleries so then that like this element of fine art comes in or uh -huh. contemporary art and I like swimming through those different uh, 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 ways of contextualizing work uh -huh. um, I think about drawing it's clearly there's a love for drawing going on in here through through your actual preparatory drawings but also the surface treatment of the bottles uh -huh. you're drawing on them um, or even the, the form of the bottle, like that's like a classic form that we learn to draw when we're studying drawing. Right. Um, maybe you could talk about how you, how you start these things. Um, could you walk me through how you make something in terms of the, the preparatory work and maybe the little bit of research that well, you do? Well, usually I make the things before I start the preparatory drawings. So I'll just, um, and the rounder ones I make with coils and scraping. Okay. And they take a while. And I have a new slab roller for the flat slab things that I make out of right. slabs. And let's see. So I make this. The I mean, I, I did do some sketching for these slab totems before I made any. Mm -hmm. So I'll make them, and then I'll start agonizing over what the hell to do with them. Right. And the longer it takes to make it, or the bigger it is, the more I'll agonize and you know mm -hmm. do like a million drawings. And I'm hoping to loosen that up in the future. R right. But so then I, they get um, depending on like if they're small and simple, I could, f I could do without a f preliminary first firing. If they're big and complicated and heavy, they need to be fired before anything else is done so I don't break them. Mm -hmm. And they're easier to handle, they're stronger. And then after that, I paint them white, and then I get some wax, and I put the wax over, I paint it over whatever's gonna be white on the piece. And then for the black and white things that I've been working on recently in the past couple of years, 
I put some black, some cobalt, and some black over all the empty spaces. And then I might wax the whole thing and scratch into it with a scratching oh, tool okay. and put in um, either black or white. And then after that, I fire them a second time. And then I glaze them and fire them a third time. Oh, wow. So there's many, many layers of yeah. of surface work and, and firing. Yeah. And another thing that I've learned through talking to other people that work with clay is you're, you, there's a, a built-in restriction with the size of your kiln. Yeah, that's why I'm making things that stack. Right. So you can make something bigger, but they, they're, they're built in pieces and fired in pieces. Yes. Is that something that you embrace that, that restriction? Like if you, if you had a, um, your way, would you build some giant walk-in kiln or is that just unrealistic to even think about? It'd be nice to have a giant walk-in kiln. I mean, yeah. it never hurts, but I think I embrace it, mm -hmm. you know, cause it also makes them easier to move around. I mean, the, yeah, that's what I was thinking. The bigger you make something in one piece, the more trouble it is like to, you know, yeah. finish it or to, it makes the engineering kind of practical because, you yeah. know, these guys have to leave the studio and they have to ship somewhere and they have to be installed somewhere. And if they're in pieces that allow for that. And yeah, I mean, <laughs> also it would be hard to, um, you know, they're just hard to work with if they're too big. Right, right. So, and and oh, I know what I was going to say. Yeah. I was going to say, even though I'm very poor at um, engineering, <laughs> so they do wind up kind of teetery. Uh-huh. Um, and then the, 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 there's a, it looks like there's a love of pattern. Yes. And these patterns are invented or are they coming from source material? Where, where are these Both. patterns coming I from? I think, um, the source material, it, it depends on the shape of the thing. Like I've been, I do a lot of direct, like, um, a lot of direct paintings from pictures of different kinds of historical decorative art that I find on the internet and put on my cell phone and use it like a model to draw yeah, from. Sure. And then depending, like if it's just a tile, I can leave it. If it's something with more of a shape, then I might have to transform it a bit, but mm -hmm. um, it kind of, yeah, depends on the, uh, right now I'm into this thing with um, tapa cloth from 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 the South Pacific. Mm -hmm. I've seriously been copying it. And um, also, I often like to reverse it, the, the, the light and the dark. In oh, my like head. invert it. Yeah, to invert it uh -huh. as I make it because it's challenging. Yeah, that's like a little brain puzzle or something yeah, like that. Yeah. Um, and it sounds like the, the, the process of putting wax on to create, to seal off a space and then go over it is sort of a inversion process too. So yeah. there's a little bit uh -huh. of that happening in that, yeah. that aspect of it as well. Yeah. Um, and I think the thing about having a model, so to speak, is that it's very freeing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's almost like a, yeah, it takes the pressure off in a way. It's, yeah. uh, you know, you, you can, some of those decisions are going to be made for you in terms of yeah, the shape so you or can loosen up how they and link then, together. Then if I do like a wall painting, mm -hmm. I could, you know, keep repeating it and it keeps getting more and more crazy and more mistakes and more mm -hmm. changes. And I like that. Right. Um, and it seems, uh, you know, there's a, uh, I feel like I saw in a little bit of my research, the, the word wallpaper or, or some installation yeah. that function as wallpaper, which welcomes a pattern, uh -huh. which then connects back to the pattern on, on your bottles. Um, 
can you talk about leaping from this three-dimensional form to a two-dimensional form and then back and forth and and those sorts of fun relationships that occur? Yeah, I'm very interested in, um, which I haven't, I've only started to do in, in making like an installation kind of thing where the there's stuff on the walls that relates to three-dimensional stuff. And um, I, that's what I'm working yeah. towards. Trying to create like a, like a, a, a space that sort of act, activates you in a few different ways, right? You've got your object in front of you. You've right. got the wall that you're standing in front that sort of towers over you that also is covered in uh -huh. your, your information and your marks and, and uh, sort of encompasses the viewer in a way. Yeah. Um, is there, you know, you, you, you sort of went through your process of how you, make these and do this, do the um, surface treatment on them. I'm curious if there's like a, a frustrating part in that process versus a part that you really can't wait to get to. Um, I mean, there's so many different layers of work in there. I'm, I'm just curious like what, you, what your favorite bit is. I think like, for example, when I have a round bottle or a flask, it's hard for me to settle into like what I would wind up doing is is drawings that get more and more tight, you know, and mm -hmm. more and more exact. And it's hard for me to settle into doing those drawings when I've been doing a lot of very loose things. Mm -hmm. So that could be frustrating. Although mm -hmm. eventually, you know, once I get into it, I'll accept it. Right. And I, I imagine that sort of loose versus tight thing also comes into play in the glazing. And when you're firing the glazes, because... Um, at least some of the application of the glazes and the, and the pigments and the colors has not a necessarily a crisp edge or it sort of bleeds into itself? There's one color. Well, there's two things that bleed. There's this okay. turquoise underglaze that I kind of invented. And the, with the glaze that I'm using, every other, it needs to be really thin on every other color. Otherwise, it'll get gunky and ugly. Mm -hmm. But on the turquoise, I have to put a big thick layer to get the blue to come out. Otherwise, it'll be black. Huh. And um, that will drip. You're referring to that kind of that flower form on that yes. birdhouse? Okay, that's the turquoise. Okay. Yeah, and yeah. it often drips, which is nice. Yeah, it's electric. And then also, the same thing is that um, when I make the black and white ones, I put in the cobalt because it reacts with the glaze that I'm using and will give it some spice mm -hmm. and some unexpected things happen mm -hmm. variations well while we're talking about color uh i think i read this in one of the interviews you've already done but um you describe you described color as not always necessarily commuting happiness it could be a little bit subversive um or, or using color to hide something and I, I wondered if i could pick your brain on 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 that um, if you elaborate well, a little bit more I think this had to do with kind of my history of my work, okay. which somebody objected to my using it, but um, in, in relating to this work that I'm doing. But for a long time, I was doing a lot of portrait drawings. And what they were was drawings of older people who decorate themselves a lot. For example, I, I did a lot of drawings of Salvador Dali, mm -hmm. who after my father died because he reminded me of my father because my father used to sit in a certain way that was similar and also my father had a mustache. I mean, okay. other than that, there was no particular thing, but it was a way for me to 
unite, I guess, a few interests. Mm -hmm. And so um, I progressed from doing like uh, Louise Nevelson and Chanel and um, different fashion designers and Warhol. I would did a lot of drawings like that. And then I started drawing um, drag queens and um, including Ethel Eichelberger, Candy Darling, and uh, Jack Smith, who wasn't mm -hmm. exactly, he was doing drag, but anyway, that kind of performer. And then after that, I have a friend. Um, Were you drawing from photographs? Yeah, always okay. from photographs. Okay. And I have a friend who um, was doing drag as well. And I started following him around and filming his performances and taking pictures and using those. And so I would say that maybe that reference to color hiding something or color not necessarily being happy could relate to... Um, you know, the, the, the of transformation of putting on yeah, a costume yeah. that, that is is unexpected to a broader majority, perhaps. Yeah, or the you know the the psychological um, psychological um, implications or ramifications mm -hmm. or whatever of wanting to disguise yourself. And, yeah, you know, being flamboyant and mm -hmm. that kind of thing. Yeah. I think it's a it's a it's a really interesting idea. This idea that color, uh, using color and in a I subversive way. I think also way. like I have attraction to two different kinds of art. Mm -hmm. Like I'm very in love with Matisse, color, light, that kind of thing. I'm also attracted to stuff that's darker. Mm -hmm. So perhaps this is my way of rationalizing yeah. that contradiction. Yeah. Um. I'm curious what you what you does this work lend itself for you or does it allow you to sort of wander in in your thinking when you're in here like what sorts of things are rolling through your head while you're working on or do you have to focus on because there's some technical aspects of working with clay does it does it ask you to focus on it or can you sort of go elsewhere psychologically what what are you thinking about when you're working on this stuff um I don't know. I mean, when I'm making the clay pieces, I have to think about the technological whatever to mm -hmm. get it to stick together. Yeah. When I'm drawing, I'm either thinking about what I'm looking at or I'm thinking about how can I, like, imagine this thing functioning in a larger, more, you know, that's what some of the drawings are about. Um, right. You know, larger, more complicated space with stuff on the wall. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I don't, I think I'm pretty well focused on whatever I'm doing though. Yeah. It seems like it. It seems like there's a focus in here in terms of just how you have I your mean, studio set up. I mean, maybe it would be up. good if my mind wandered a little more, but well, probably doesn't. Well, I mean, I think it depends on what type of work you're doing. Like yeah. some work, you know, if it's like abstract or something or coming, coming from some deep place your your mind automatically wanders right because there's yeah. there's not really a focus point necessarily but i mean you've got you've got edges and and you know structures and you know the physics of clay to think about so it makes sense it's sort of it's in and out yeah and i think it comes from a deep place but at this point i'm so far along whatever i'm doing that yeah um that's given yeah one of the one of the things we we're talking about before we hit record is you know these these really beautiful drawings on newsprint, and you and you said I gotta stop working on newsprint. We started talking about like the you know whether or not it's archival and the fact that it's so 
throw away that you know that, that takes the pressure off well the funny part was that I originally was painting and I got tired of thinking about like the art historical you know history of painting and I thought uh -huh. I'm not going to paint anymore I'm just going to draw so you were a painter before you were yeah uh working with clay yeah okay I mean you know I'm not a particularly good one but <laughs> it was a long time ago sure but um I said I'm just going to draw and then I got by happenstance drawing and got drawn into doing ceramics and um you know then it's like way like I you know I love the idea that paper is ephemeral and doesn't take a lot of space to store and it's mm -hmm. just you know light light mm -hmm. light light and then now I'm I'm trying you know making all these bulky things that <laughs> right will probably, you know, last together and last forever unless you, you bash the hell out of them and right, right. throw them out. Um, do you wrestle with things breaking quite a bit? You mentioned this is the hospital over here, things with um, repairing. I mean, is that one of the, one of the I mean, it, it's, it's part of working with Yeah, ceramic. I mean, it's generally things break. I only have one thing that got broken by somebody else. Generally, I'll mm -hmm. break them myself. Right. Um, and do things ever explode on you in the kiln? Is that, that like a... Is knock that like on a, wood has not yet happened. Okay. So um, you must be technically proficient because that has to well, do with like air getting into the, certain parts. It has to do with um, also buying the clay and using it straight out of the box. Okay. So that you, I don't have any kind of like wedging, reclaiming um, kind of thing that people get into that you know means you have to worry about the air bubbles. Mm -hmm. And then when I do use clay that's already been used... I throw it on the floor 10 times and I either turns or I'll, you know, if I'm going to put it through the slab roller, I throw it on the floor 10 times and then I go over it very carefully with a rib and pop all the air bubbles until there right. are no more air bubbles So left. you're literally spiking it on the floor to like collapse it? Well, that gets rid of some air bubbles, okay. slam it on the floor. And then, and then the other thing or else if you use it as coils, um, the air bubbles disappear. Mm -hmm. That must feel pretty good, slamming so a big I, wad I of clay on the floor. Yeah. I mean, is that a release? I mean, I was thinking, you know, I mentioned I have two small kids and, uh -huh. and we play with Play-Doh and clay at home. And when I sit down and do it, like I do go into this sort of like primal sort of just squeezing into my hand and that sensation. I mean, there's something kind of very attractive about that. Yeah, but I don't think that comes into my work. No, no, not at all. But I'm yeah. just saying the material itself. Yeah. Um, slam, you know, and I thought of that when you're, you know, kind of slamming to get the air out. That must be kind of a, a you know, a, a nice feeling. Um when did you decide to be an artist, or what got you into, art, into oh, art? What was your entrance? My entrance into art was encouragement from the parents. My okay. father was an architect, so he had also did some painting. Uh -huh. And my, you know, I started off like kids making things, and then my mom took me to a class at the Museum of Modern Art for clay. And then did you I, grow up in New York City? Uh huh. Oh, okay. And then I went to things at the Art Students League when I was a teenager. You uh -huh. know, it was always like, I think I really early decided to be an artist, and I think it was kind of encouraged. Sure, yeah. Sounds like I mean, your parents took you to art classes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, do you remember any early visual influences from when you were younger? What, like, what were you looking at? What were you into? The first thing I was into was Nolda, Emil Nolda. Okay. I mean, as a as a art influence. Uh, to tell me who that is. No, he's the um, German, not, is he German? He, he's Scandinavian. Okay. I can't remember if he's Scandinavian or German, but he was banned by the Germans, and he did these very brightly colored oil paintings and watercolors of um, 
dancers and landscapes and sunsets and flowers. And He's a I, painter. Yeah, okay. and I had this, my parents had this catalog from the Museum of Modern Art, and I remember I cut out a piece of, I cut out a sunrise or a sunset of his. I loved it. Great. Um, and you mentioned you took classes at MoMA and uh-huh. the Art Students League. Um, did did you study art at an undergraduate level or anything like that? Like how far did, did you go into I the, had, the, I never really the education? Went to um, a traditional college, but I did. Like I went to the Art Students League, and I was into learning how to draw and paint. You know, kind of academically. And then I went to Hunter College, and I took some printmaking classes. So I learned etching. Mm-hmm. And um, after that, I went to Empire State College, which was a studio semester program for people from out of state, I mean, for people from upstate and mm-hmm. to get a studio and work in New York. And it was a cheap studio. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of like graduate school. And you got financial aid, and they would bring in artists to look at your work once a week. And, mm-hmm. you know, in the end, you didn't care what anybody thought. Right. So that was sort of a graduate school. Um, experience and I did it for two years and then after that I took a couple of theory art history classes okay did you is there anything that stands out as like the the takeaway piece of information or experience from studying art whether it was those earlier classes when you're younger at MoMA that your parents no nothing nothing (laughs) Um, would you advocate that someone um Growing up in New York, right now, I'm just trying to think of you when you're younger, and you would you would you suggest that they chase that they they formally study art in this current day and age, or is it a waste of? It of depends time? on one's goals. I mean, I certainly think like you know, eventually when I started, I had no clue about contemporary art. Mm-hmm. Like my head was completely with the old masters, I, and. Then, you know, eventually I began to catch on, but I would think if you has a, have a goal to have some kind of art career, going to college is not a mistake because then you meet people. Right. You know, you have to find a way to meet people, yeah. basically. And, I, and, you know, you learn how it works, like at, in a business kind of a way, I guess. I agree. I think that's, uh, that's one of the things that people, well, I don't know if it's underestimated, but the, the, the networking community and, and, like, social aspect of studying art is arguably more valuable than any sort of instruction you might get. Yeah, I guess it just depends on the person because on the one hand, you know, I was completely determined to learn how to draw. Like I wanted to represent something Mm three-dimensional. I wanted to, um, I even wanted to be able to carve three-dimensional stuff and I wanted to be able to... um, Like in stone or wood? Yeah. Okay. Emulate the old masters. I never got to stone. But mm-hmm. I did do some wood, and you know I wanted to paint like Chardin. I wanted to paint like this one, and I wanted to paint like Matisse, and you know like Picasso and Cubism, and I went through all that, and then you know in the end, like when I come to what I'm doing, you know, or what I admire, I suppose, I don't think any of that matters, mm-hmm. you know, because I also taught kids art and I taught senior citizens art. And, you know, you see what people can do with absolutely no education. And right. it's just as interesting as what people do right. with education. So right. there's really... That's well said. I, I tend to agree in terms of sometimes the instruction gets in the way of what's already inside or something like that. 
Yeah, who yeah. knows? Who knows? Um, you know, you sort of we, we've been like dipping in and out of history. You've you've, you've cited some some historical um, um, you know contributors to Art Cezanne and 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 Matisse and these other people. I feel like there's a there's you know particularly with the bottles. Um, that you're doing there's there's a real sense of art history in these oh yeah yeah, yeah. I, I mean I'm also you know if I say that you don't need to learn all this stuff it doesn't mean that I'm not completely crazy about art history no 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 in yeah. all its ramifications right. you know like especially history of decorative arts and I don't know everything mm-hmm. I mean yeah. yeah I had a studio visit recently I guess why I wanted to bring up the like the 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 sort of uh, art history aspect of your work or, or the the sort of Sometimes it feels like an homage to, to to some you know Greek or Roman or Egyptian vessels. Um, I had a studio visit recently where where the feedback I got was was you know I make abstract work and uh-huh. the feedback was like Joe you you know you're living in New York making you know abstract arguably abstract expressionist stuff in a place where this is you know people say that movement was born out of New York and it's 60 years old. Well, what are you, what are you contributing to something that's already there? So it got, it started this idea about like, how do you add in to, to this, this monumental thing that's already in place versus trying to figure something new out? I think that that's like a, a really um, kind of dated attitude. Yeah. Because at this point you could see that like th- every, every kind of art was made in response to other art. Sure. You know, and and people who, you know, in the old days, they would have this hierarchy of these are the great abstract expressionists and the other ones are just derivative and it's not as good. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, years go by and you say, wait a minute, you know, this is also interesting. Right. And it doesn't really matter what you did and when you did it. Right. You know, as in that kind of. It also like, you know, we're into what we're into. Yeah. Things come out of us how they come out of us. And if it like, if it eclipses other things or you start to occupy a similar space i don't think that's grounds to stop doing it no um, i mean i mean yeah. and i think that that's like the actually the beauty of the moment of art right now is that people are free like nobody's telling them oh you have to be minimalist or now you're minimalist everybody's minimalist and you must find something new right i mean people are just doing what they're doing right right um you know, I think we talked about sort of, uh, you know, this sort of toggle between craft and fine art. Um, you know, there's a craft element in your stuff. D- 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 do those sort of categories bother you ever? Um, is that, you know, do, do you respond well to people saying, oh, uh, this is, I love the craft behind this stuff? Is yes that, and no. Yeah? I mean, it, like, since, as I told you, I started out painting, I mm-hmm. think my attitude towards, even though what I'm making, you know, looks like craft and is part of craft, I wouldn't say it isn't, mm-hmm. but still, you know, each one is unique, so it's only, they could be used, but that's not the motivation. Right. And I think um, that a lot of, like, that there still is kind of, although it's, it's it's loosening up there still is a kind of wall between fine art quote unquote and craft because there's a lot of really bad craft stuff that people make thinking more about the particular um technique which is like 
really, you know, contrived, like mm-hmm. some kind of special technique that may be really hard to do and, and is quite ugly or, mm-hmm. you know, not. And, and that I don't really want to be a part of. But, you know, on the other hand, I did have a show in Brussels with a gallery that was that is a ceramics gallery or, mm-hmm. or a design gallery. Yeah. And, you know, I have no objection to that. That yeah. was fine. It seems like ceramics is is having a moment in yeah, contemporary art? What do you attribute hap- that to? I th- don't know what I attribute it to, but I think, yeah, it's definitely having a moment. Um, I'm not really sure if my work joins into that moment because, like, a lot of times I think, mm, I want to be in that show or that show, and right. I'm not. Right. But I think it's because... The, That's a uh, common, I think, Yes, common to all artists yeah. about everything. <laughs> yeah. But... You know, I also think that there's a moment of very loose painterly ceramics that very immediate that people are relating to. And Mm -hmm. mine is fortunately or unfortunately not fitting into that because it's, um, I don't know, it's on its own. Yeah. More contained. Or it's just, it's, it's organized in a different way. Yeah, exactly. Um, Yeah. Um, you know, I I guess I'm, you know, the dichotomy of stuff, craft versus fine Uh art function versus non-function do you ever use your stuff or do you ever stick flowers in them or or Um, put liquids in them when um? i first was making them i used to stick flowers in them and take pictures of them but then i got tired of that however so i don't usually like a lot if they're large i don't glaze the inside because it's too much trouble Mm -hmm. so they're not and also i don't fire the clay to viscosity which is when it will really faithfully hold water right like, and real quick if it's not glazed on the inside you shouldn't put any liquid into you it can. you should just put a coaster underneath it you know okay. it'll soak up the water and then okay. I, as long as it doesn't freeze i mean if it freezes the then the clay will start to crack right, right. um so if i'm something for outdoors can only be like it can't be outside in the winter right but you know people like i've given them little cylinders and they put flour in and take a picture of it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's fine. Has and, anyone and ever asked you to make a coffee mug? Will you make me a coffee mug? No, <laughs> they haven't. That's uh, Because good. nothing I make is food safe. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. even though I wouldn't mind for it to be, but it would mean I'd have to change everything. You mm-hmm. know, I'd have to use different materials and it's too much trouble to think about. I mean, it'd be fun to make a whole set of dishes, you know, that, Yeah. you know, beautiful dishes that people could use. I don't, mm-hmm. I'm not... A, against it it's just not my priority sure sure um i wonder if this is a good spot to i I mean if you're comfortable talking about it i'd love to hear your experience with these um ceremonial urns that uh, a friend made for you um uh your friend kathleen white passed away yeah she passed away and her husband um wanted something to put the ashes in Mm -hmm. so and she was very interested in symbols, like graphic symbols, you know, like hieroglyphics or different kinds of symbols. So I um, made four small bottles that you could take the top off of and, you know, like consulted with Raphael about what kind of design, you know, did mm-hmm. a bunch of designs. That was her partner? See, yeah, see, okay. which, see which one liked, he liked the best and, you know, gave them to so him. So it was a little bit of collaborati- collaboration? Yeah. In a way? Yeah. Okay. Um, that must have been, I mean, I imagine that was like a pretty intense experience, emotionally and otherwise. I mean, you're, you're in here usually making these things, 
because you feel compelled to, to make them. You Here you have, you have like a, someone in your life that is no longer with you and, and you've been asked to make this thing to hold their, their, their remains. Or was it just like another day in studio? Yes and no. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't think my feelings about her loss, I hadn't known her for that long. Okay. Like, you know, maybe a few years. I, I w became closer to her while she was sick. Okay. So, you know, while I did go through, since I've had cancer myself, you know, I, I kind of felt very sympathetic and I did go through her illness with her and her partner um it wasn't as if a member of my family had died sure. i mean does that sound harsh no no I, I mean it was horrible to see her go through that and you know it was yeah. a horrible thing to have happen and it sucked in every way but i can't say that as i made the pieces that i was like right you know in huge grief right deep grief i mean like you would be for if if your partner died. Right, your right, right. Died. I just I just wondered I don't if know. there was and a. Also, I think um, making that kind of art is more of a way to process those feelings. Sure. So that, like, when I was making the things about my father, you know, you feel like you're you're doing something with those feelings yeah. as well, so that it's more comforting than distressing yeah it's part of the, a part of processing it all. yeah yeah um it's almost the only thing you can do with it yeah i mean that's like kind of the point of art i think right right yeah, i guess i was just curious if there was like a an added you know undis undefinable undescribable thing um to that project um i know i've had sick people in my life and my family too and one of the ways i've processed it was just what you described i went into my studio and and i worked it out through my work it wasn't made to like hold something for them or like I didn't give the piece to them as like here this is for you but I, it just is like a it seems like an interesting sort of um, um, reason or motivation or 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 drive to make an object is is you know you know, we talked about function versus non-function this thing has function but it's got this added yeah, extra like yeah, spirit uh -huh. to it yeah um kind of beautiful i'm wondering if you ever fight with this stuff while you're working working on it what 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 sort of problems pop up in here oh i have and how a do you try and correct them continuous problem that i feel like my work is too contained and i want to break it open and and you know um, not necessarily that I want it to be like I like I like to improvise I like that but mm -hmm. also I want it you know to just open up to the environment mm -hmm. and, and have a larger scale to it and uh, yeah that's my ambition so that's that's certainly a frustration right. would you say these these larger tile pieces that, that you're gonna link together to make a giant uh, a larger wall work is an attempt to sort of open things up yeah yeah I mean, I that mean, seems like a solution to everything to the, is an to attempt to open things up. Yeah. Um, you know, when, when I, whatever I do with these totem things, I'm going to try to make them the kind of shape that doesn't close in on itself and that will reach out to mm -hmm. something else. And, you know, I don't know, like maybe I'll make a tiles that, like, I, I, but, you know, it seems like still I make this series of prints and then, you know, they're all like one small thing. Like, yeah. You know, and, and I kind of think of them as one piece, but. Um, I don't know. 
uh, you, you mentioned it's continuous fight. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you mentioned, you know, containment. You felt like the, the bottles were too contained. You wanted to open them up and you, you pointed me to these tile pieces that you're gluing together to make almost like a, like a two dimensional version of a bottle in a way like, or, or like a flat planed, uh-huh. a, a bottle without curves on well, it. Well, yeah, that's what I'm, I'm, is that another attempt to sort well, of, well, that way, yeah, that, because that they're not, you know, not every piece of it is attached to every other piece of it, like a round thing is. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I can, like my thought, I don't know if it's going to work because it's, they warp so much and it's so crazy, but my thought was that if I made things out of slabs, I was thinking I could make separate slabs and get them all finished and then choose the ones I wanted to put together, but I, I don't know if that's going to work. But mm-hmm. still, um, yeah, they, it's, it's something flat, Right. Can reach out more, I think. Um, I, I wonder if we could talk about studio visits. Okay. Um, you know, studio visits kind of run the gamut. They're inspiring. They're frustrating sometimes. They're business related. They're they're fr- it's more of a social thing with another artist or something like that. Uh, I'm, I guess I'm curious to know what what your ideal is or what, what how you describe a really healthy studio visit might be. What does that feel like for you? Even if it doesn't even happen, what would you want it to be? I don't know. I don't take them that seriously anymore. Okay. You know, I mean, I, I, when I was younger and I was unsure of what I was doing and I had less opportunity to show my work, you know, somebody would come over, I'd be pretty nervous, I'd arrange everything on the wall so I thought it looked the best, you know. Yeah, you'd kind of style your studio. Yeah, and... I stopped, when I stopped styling my studio, that was great because then I just, you know, anyway, I put everything up at once and they can just take it or leave it and I'm mm-hmm. not getting worked up about it. And I guess, you know, nice studio visits are from interesting people and, you know, I guess from other artists, that's what I like mm-hmm. and um, I don't know, it's hard to think about it. Yeah. I mean, sometimes like, some people are really inspiring and then you know they can have some great grandiose idea for your work and then you start trying to do it and it like a dead end mm-hmm. like i had a friend come over and he was like oh oh but you really you know those drawings of 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 those portraits are so important and you really should try to put them on the ceramics and i started trying to do that and it didn't work at all mm-hmm. you know so um you know he had this grandiose vision of my work but it wasn't particularly helpful so right. i don't know you know it sounds like you welcome that sort of suggestion though like he said try this and you so you tried it didn't yeah work. i tried yeah. it yeah i know some people are like don't don't bring your 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 baggage in into my process you can talk about it when it's done but i don't that's, know that's you kind know, of generous I mean, of you to take it on um I mean, one wants to be more ambitious, mm-hmm. so it's great when people, you know, give you other ideas, but then again, it can just be like, I'm not sure if I'm crazy about studio visits where people think that you have a problem that needs to be solved. Yeah. Like they're, they, you know, they're, they're thinking like maybe they've done a lot of teaching and they think that the point is to go into somebody's studio and, you know, give them some new idea or point yeah. them in some direction. And I'm like, did I say I had a problem? I mean, <laughs> if, I, if I say I had a problem, then okay, you know, I... Right, that's but great. I, but also, you know, I can sort of figure out my own problems. So right. That's really smart. I, I mean, I, 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 you just, 
taught me something there uh-huh. in terms of figuring my own problems out sometimes. Um, it also was nice to hear you talk about re- the realization that staging your, your studio or styling it because you thought that's what it should look like or that's maybe what the visitor wanted to see was not working for you. So you figured out how to be more honest and more matter of fact and let it be how it's going to be in here. Yeah, I, I think always that comes do that. through. I think that yeah. comes through when people come to the studio and they can sort of yeah. see like this. This feels kind of like a photo shoot versus. And I'm also a little bit working. lazy. Like some people, when you go to their studio, they're like all ready to give you the history of their work and take out, show you images or take out older work. And mm-hmm. I don't necessarily bother to do that. Right. You know, it's like what's here is what you can see. Right. Um. You know, you're starting to talk about not having as many opportunities when you're you're younger to show this stuff. Um, could you talk about the first time you ever put your work in in a public setting uh, for people to see? Do you remember? No. No. Was it a gallery, like a an art gallery? Well, or if you go back, context? back, back, you know, you're going to school. They're always getting you to put your work up. So. Well, outside of school, I mean. Oh, outside of school. Yeah. Okay. Um, I guess I ask because I'm curious, you know, sometimes the first spot is a cafe or something like that, or some, oftentimes it is a gallery. I'm thinking, because, so it's not in school, but when I was in that studio semester program, somebody offered me a space, and it was actually in the um, old electric circus building on St. Mark's Place. And I got a bunch of people together and we put up a show. Mm-hmm. You know, there's that kind of thing where you generate it yourself. Right. And I don't know, it just takes a long time. Yeah. And then maybe we could talk about the most recent show, um, which is in Brussels, you said? Yeah. Um, how did you prepare for that? I'm curious how... how I didn't prepare for you that didn't. at all because... Um, he came over to my studio. Um, it was sort of like a, a, a little bit developing because Jack Pearson brought Xavier Hufkins over to my studio several years ago because he, his Xavier Hufkins' husband is the one who has this ceramic design gallery. Okay. So he wanted Xavier to see it so that he could tell Pierre about it, Pierre Marie. Mm-hmm. So then um, a couple of years later, Canada was showing at... In, in Brussels, I mean, at some art fair or something, yeah. and they also have several artists who have showed with Xavier in the gallery. Canada's the gallery I showed with, and some somehow they met up with Pierre-Marie, and Pierre-Marie was interested in my work. So he came over, and he just picked out a, a couple of things that were already in my studio, and um, then he got some other stuff from another gallery, from Gavlak and he installed it himself and you know he knew what he wanted he didn't want any drawings all he wanted was objects and he installed it the way he wanted to install it and I just went that was it you just showed up yeah I just showed up do you prefer to be more involved or you like being sort of letting 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 the galleries do a majority of the like installation and thought inspiration guess I prefer to be more involved Mm -hmm. I mean it was interesting what he did you know he has his context of of what he wants to show and how he wants to show it. And right. I did not expect it to be what I would necessarily do. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I guess I would like to be more involved. Sure. Um, you know, given that, like, I like to be more involved, but I also 
like to make all the work before somebody decides to give me a show. Right, right. <laughs> that, I mean, some people really do well with pressure, but I don't. Yeah, so you, you'd like, what, six months to prepare for a show? I don't know, I just want to do the work and have it be done and then mm -hmm. have somebody say, oh, you know, I guess you're ready. Oh, okay. Let's do it, you know. Sure. Um, do you ever say no to opportunities? And what, the cir what, what are the circumstances, maybe? I don't know, I don't think I've said no to it. Well, yeah, I think, you know, somebody wanting to have my work in some shop somewhere. Right. That I'm yeah, at, the context, it doesn't, you know, that the context doesn't work. That I periodically get, a, um, like, on my website, I'll get these inquiries of people, like, saying, you know, and then, like, I, I sort of tried to idiot-proof it by putting on every single image in my website, whether it was in a collection or which gallery they should contact for right, it, you right, know, like right. every single one. And yet I still get these messages saying, I'm interested in your work, you know. So I just like, I think what they want is a lower price. Right. So I just so trying to sidestep yeah. the, yeah, uh, exactly. the, the, the market system. Um, I, um, I, my, one of my gallery, gallerists is always encouraging me to take my email address off my website. So maybe that's the fix. Well, I don't have my email address on my website, but oh, okay. I, I do have like a message thing that they can send oh, okay. a message. So, you know. Maybe I that's mean, the fix. No more message thing. Then you don't have to deal with those calls. Well, some nice things have happened from those messages. Of course. Things. Of course. And, um, you know, other than that, I mean, whenever I get an inquiry like that, I just like don't even answer it. I just send, send the email to the gallery and yeah. say, you know, hey. Yeah. Yeah. I, I got this, and they, you know, either ignore it, they do what they want with it. Right. I think that's the, the, the smart Because move. one time I did make the mistake of answering because this woman had, like, was complaining that she had tried to get info from the gallery and she hadn't gotten anything, and then it turned out, it, it just became this nightmare because she, you know, turned out that they had offered her stuff and she hadn't wanted it, and then, you know, she wanted this and then she but then she wanted this and this too that I was going to send to Brussels and I couldn't give her those and then she like wound up like thinking well if she couldn't have everything then she didn't want anything and it was just like uh, ridiculous yeah yeah um I feel like this this train started off talking about studio visits and I want to kind of circle back to to this what about stepping away from the studio do you ever take breaks from coming in here are you are you do you need like a away time from here to recharge, sort of like a mini sabbatical or a larger sabbatical? I have enough enforced break times. Yeah. You know, that um, like in, maybe in the summer, sometimes I might work for like a week or two straight and then think, oh, it's time to go to the museum or something like mm -hmm. that. I can't take it anymore. But, right. Um, you know, I mean, and I like to travel. Yeah. I love to go look at art and take pictures of it. So, so, so yeah. going to look at things and observe yeah. art is important to oh, you. Oh, totally. Do you Everybody laughs at me because I put so many pictures on the Instagram of everything I go and see. Right, right. Well, I think a lot of people do that. But, they um, laugh at it, but they like it. Yeah. <laughs> they're probably envious that they're not as, uh, yeah, I could say responsible in terms of going to take in what's out there. But, well, uh, you know, we live in New York City. There's so many museums. Why the hell not? Why, right, you know, yeah. it, would you, do you go like what, once a week? I Couple don't, times a week? you know, there might be something that I don't want to miss mm -hmm. or I'll go to a press preview because mm -hmm. I used to write a lot. So I get to go to press previews. Oh, that's right. I think I knew and, that. And, um, you know, I mean. And you're going to museums and galleries or do yeah. you, do you yeah, lean yeah. Toward, towards one of the no, other? All both. The above? both. Um, you used to write about art. Yeah. Correct. Uh -huh. What sorts of what sorts of things did you write about? Was it was it re critical reviews? or It was reviews okay. and features. Okay. 
and for was it Artnet? I did most of my writing for Artnet. I uh-huh. also wrote for Art News mm-hmm. quite a bit, and I even had an article in Parquet. Cool. Is the process for putting together a review like that? Could you find any parallels to making? an object in here in terms of the research that you do and thinking about ahead of time and like kind of doing a few models, you sort of pointed out some test things over there or is it a much different process? Um, it's related in some ways. I mean, you start off, you go to the show basically, especially in the beginning, I just start off with gibberish and then kind of keep taking away and adding and it's sort of like sculpture until Mm -hmm. you come up with something that makes sense and actually has something to say Mm -hmm. and then further along when I had more experience like the sentences would form in my head more as I was looking at the work Mm -hmm. so you know and you show it to an editor maybe they give you yeah yeah, you send it into the editor and they send you know they fix it up somehow either mess it up or fix it up right it's kind of like a studio visit and it depends like yeah (laughs) that person's coming and saying why don't you try this and you know like it it gets like when i first started writing i used to get really shook up about the edits and then like after a while it became i didn't really care it was like there goes another one you know whatever (laughs) Did you ever um, hear from the people that you're reviewing? Like, oh, thank you. Or, what oh, the yes, hell? I just, did. I, I don't wrote, agree with you. I wrote this. I never got a complaint. Okay. Um, I didn't write that. Like, I was writing for Performing Arts Journal, and they liked, you know, I, I did write some critical art things about, like, I remember I, I, there was a show called, well, the article I called it Von Van Von, and it was like this show by Inez von Lanzervierta, and it was just you know, and a couple of other ones, and it was just the most ridiculous thing I ever saw. So I really, <laughs> you know, I had fun writing that. I mean, I'm, she's a great photographer, I'm sure, but that fashion photographer, but this particular show was silly. Yeah. And so that's fun, you know. And then there were a couple of artists that um, Art News really wanted me to give it to, so I did that. But, you know, you, you pick somebody that's, you know, doing very well. So right. at that point, they don't even give a damn because, right. you know, I mean, or if they do, they're not, you know, nobody ever said anything. But it, it bounces off them. It bounces off them. Mm-hmm. But then I did write this article for Performing Arts Journal about Slater Bradley. Um, and he was very young at the time. I think it was like his second one-person show at Team. And he wrote to me and he said, it's the best thing anybody ever wrote about my work. Oh, cool. So then I kind of, for a while, I became his writer. Oh, nice. So I wrote about his work a lot. I really liked writing about it. So yeah. maybe that's what other artists can do if they, if someone writes there, uh, gives them a, a favorable review, they they send a thank you note and that and then the sort of team well, starts. Well, I think it wasn't just that it was favorable. <laughs> it was just that I was like, you know, at that point it was also like soon after my father died and it was all about kind of death and okay. memory and this and that. And he just felt like I hooked yeah. into what he was He liked your language. To, he, yeah, I think he felt, you know, that I was hooked into something. I was picking up on something in his work that other people weren't necessarily picking up on, especially since he was young and good right. looking and, you know, people thought he was a um less serious uh-huh. or, you know cool. than he really was. Um, or he is. You know, you go to look at a lot of stuff, galleries and museums. Um what's what's this is a tricky one, I'm gonna put you on the spot, but what's the last thing you saw that really stuck with you, really moved you you had a, a an emotional response to? Okay, well, the last historical thing I saw that I took pictures of was the Hercules Seger show, Prince, at the Museum of um, the Met, which was 
very interesting because I was doing etching and I remember being interested in his work like mm-hmm. umpty up years ago so I enjoyed that and also they had a very nice um, Leon boxed collection of Leon boxed drawings in the prints and drawings the little collection gallery that they have mm-hmm. and then um, also I saw uh, my friend Gwen Thomas has a show of photographs she took of Jack Smith in 1974 which was beautiful and I went to Mary Manning's opening the photographs at Cleopatra's and another couple of, yeah great I mean that was Sunday so there were yeah. three openings very, that I went to very recently yeah um, what about non-art stuff does anything make the list there that's just that you're into or excited about I don't know if it's like a uh, well it's still kind of art but like a piece of music or a show that you've seen or a place that you want to go to or you've been to that really resonates I want to go back to Italy and go to Rome and Naples but this has to do with art as well Mm -hmm. very cool Um, yeah no I'm pretty like I don't have too much space in my brain for yeah Um, non-art things what about you mentioned sort of a goal for your work is to figure out a way to have it be less contained yeah, um, and I want it to be like, you know, kind of all-encompassing. Mm-hmm. I, I want it to be like, um, have like furniture and and, and mm-hmm. wall painting and drawings and ceramics and you know, have it all work together like a crazy Wiener Werkstatt interior. Mm-hmm. It feels like that's like what that. you're working towards. Yeah. I mean, with the the wallpaper treatment or the right. tiles going up the uh, wall. I mean, it's it seems yeah, like you're on that I road. Yeah, and I want to have um, a lot of different scales. Mm-hmm. I think that, that the show I had at Canada, which was the first time I did big wall painting, mm-hmm. um, I had all the work was on pedestals, and it was then I did the walls, and when I looked at it, I felt that the um, kind of ratio of black and white was too similar on the wall mm-hmm. as to the um, things that were on the uh, ceramics, and I would like to have you know things that are mostly black and things right. that are mostly white, and and to really point out the contrast and have like things with with a, a large scale, you know, like a huge bunch of leaves or something like that, right. and also a tight little pattern or not you know painted loosely but small scale, so yeah. that there's a lot of texture contrast. Sure. Sounds like you're thinking about weight of things too. The weight of uh, things. Visual weight, you know. Yeah, like busy, and then I also want to make things that um, quiet. yeah, busy, quiet, and mm-hmm. I want to make things that you kind of on the objects that lead your eye to the wall and kind of interact with the wall mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Great. Well, I feel like this is maybe a good place to to round it out. I really appreciate you. Uh, sharing in this way and being so generous with your time. It was really fun to talk to you and learn about the work. And um, yeah. Okay. Thanks, Elizabeth. You're welcome. Thank you. We've made it to the end. A quick reminder that listeners can learn more about this project and the artists featured by visiting deepcolorpodcast.com. 
You can also show support by making a donation via the PayPal link and subscribe to the series in iTunes. Thank you for listening and check back soon for a new episode.